Good morning. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So about a month or so ago, my daughter Mallory, who is 11, she did something that I never, ever would have had the guts to do. And she did it again this morning. She came up on this stage under these lights in front of all of you all, in front of a camera, and she sang songs of praise to God. Did I mention she's 11 years old? So I don't know if you know this, but every Sunday morning, including this Sunday morning and that Sunday morning that I mentioned a moment ago, a group of really awesome volunteers get here really early, about 7.30 in the morning, and they begin to plan for the day, talk about how service is going to be going. They read uh, God's Word and pray together. The band comes up and they play, they rehearse to kind of walk through the songs that morning. And it was part of that before service time where Mallory and I went to the very back of the sanctuary and we said a prayer together. And my prayer for Mallory was that she would be confident and that she would be brave and that she would be bold. And boy, was she. During service, I sat over there with my family where I normally do, just watching her, listening to her, fighting back tears. I used to be a tough guy until I had daughters. Now I'm just a mess all the time. But I was and I am so very proud of her, for her witness, for her bravery, for her boldness. Amanda Huff, who's our worship coordinator in that same time prior to service, was standing back here at the back of the stage with Mallory right before you all came in that morning. And I guess she noticed that Mallory's a little bit nervous. So she put her arm around Mallory and she said, Mallory, the hardest part is walking up to that microphone. And man, that resonated with me. And I've thought about that a lot since. So I don't know about Pastor Adam or Emily or any of the folks that are up here on stage because they make it look so darn easy and it's not fair because it's not easy. And the scariest part of every Sunday for me is standing right there being absolutely filled with fear before I walk out here. And fear is a really tricky and heavy thing for most of us. It gets a lot of airtime in Scripture. Fear and worry and anxiousness. There's a lot of fear that takes place in our lives as well. Maybe for a student who's starting a new school, like I did in eighth grade, because there's not enough awkwardness in an eighth grade, you've got to start a new school, right? But when that school door swings open and you're looking down that long and unfamiliar and unrecognizable hallway, a lot of unfamiliar faces, for me with my backpack, it was the first step of starting that new semester. For someone who has recently lost a job and you don't know when the next job's coming. Sometimes the cash stack of bills, the bills are always higher than the stack of cash and you're wondering how long that can go on. It's that first step in boldness of applying for a new job. Maybe if you're someone who's lost a close family member or a friend and you're just drowning in grief, I've been there. I've really been there. Sometimes that first step is just getting out of bed in the morning. For the person struggling with addiction, not knowing what sobriety is, fearful 
of what a sober me might look like. It's that first step of saying, I need help. See, alone, fear is a really big and difficult thing to get past. If you doubt that, come by my house sometime when I'm cleaning out the gutters because I'm afraid of heights. You'll catch me up on the ladder just shaking like a leaf on the tree. I'm probably on the third rung, but it feels like I'm sky high. Pastor Adam and I went to St. Louis about a year ago, and he had lived there for a while, so he said, hey, one thing we really got to do is we got to go to the top of the arch. I said, no, we don't. (laughs) 630 feet off the ground, no, sir. Tell me about it. I'll buy a T-shirt. We actually did it, and it wasn't that bad. You should do it sometime. But fear alone and by yourself is difficult. If you have a friend, if you have loving people all around you, if you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, fear it doesn't stand a chance. So this summer we've been walking through the book of Acts. Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. I went back and listened to the last time I was up here with you all on Pentecost, and I said the sixth book. That's a lie. <laughs> Acts has never been the sixth book of the New Testament. It's the fifth book. It's behind the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we're going to be looking at the fifth book, which is Acts. Uh, And we've been talking about the early church, these early followers of Jesus. What did they do after Christ ascends into heaven? Last week, Pastor Adam was with you, and he talked about Peter and John being arrested by the Sanhedrin, this religious council. They were arrested for doing what Jesus told them to do. They're in custody. They begin to question them. They begin to threaten them, give them prohibitions, give them injunctions. Stop talking about this Jesus guy. So that's what we talked about a little bit last week. They also took note, as the video alluded to, of Peter and John, what they called these, uh, the boldness of these uneducated or common men. So we're going to look at what they do in light of these threats and these injunctions to not talk about Jesus. What was their first step? That's what we're looking at this morning. We're going to take a look at Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. If you're using a pew Bible, it's on page 1,138 at the bottom right. It's a little chunk that I'm going to read together, so bear with me for just a second. Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 31. It's entitled, The Believers Pray for Boldness. So when they were released, they went to their friends, they being Peter and John, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Now listen to this piece. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus... And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. So here we see Peter and John, they're being released. 
They've, you know, faced this fearful kind of mandate not to do this. What is Peter and John's first step? Run and hide, break down in fear? No. They return to fellow believers and they share their burden with them. What a beautiful thing to share the burden with somebody else. So Peter and John tell them of the injunction, this prohibition. The Sanhedrin says, don't talk about Jesus. Don't tell people that through God's grace alone, through faith in Christ, that they have salvation. It's, you know, it's not good works. It's not all these things you have to do. Why wouldn't you go and tell people this good news? They told them not to. They told them exactly what I told my kids driving home from the beach two weeks ago when they got rowdy in the back seat. I said, stop talking. Be quiet. That's what they told them. Stop talking about Jesus. So what we see is them not listening to that mandate. So here we see the group all together, and what does the group do of the believers when they first hear from Peter and John? What was their first reaction, their first step? They prayed for boldness. See, it wasn't their last resort. That was their first resort. How many times have you heard someone say, I don't know if I should do this or if I should do that. I've been thinking about this, and my neighbor said I should do that. Mama said I should do this. There's nothing left to do but pray. What? Why is praying a last resort? It wasn't for them. It was their first resort. They said, we're not stopping. We're not going to be silenced. We're not going to be frozen in fear. They prayed, grant your servants to speak your word with boldness. And we need to look also to the content and the substance of those prayers. So not only are they praying as a first resort, how are they praying? What are they saying? Well, they didn't pray for harm to befall their enemies. They didn't say, God, wipe them out. Take them out. We're sick of having to deal with them. We're trying to do what you're asking us to do. Take them out. They didn't pray that way. How often do we fixate on the fall of our enemies rather than focusing on our own faithfulness. So often, and I'm guilty of it as well, we just fixate on these perceived wrongs that other people have caused us. You think about it later as you're driving or when you're at home and you get angry all over again. You think back about that person that we'll call them difficult to love. And as you rethink about it, you go, the next, per- next time they say that, if they ever say that to me again, you're getting a game plan. What a waste of time. Why do we let others live rent-free in our minds for months? We've got to focus on our own faithfulness, on our own boldness, our own witness, our own walk. In the face of fear, their first step was to pray for boldness. And they didn't pray, as I've been guilty of praying, to have their problems removed, the obstacles taken out of their path. They didn't say, take away the trials and the temptations and the tribulations and the tests. Just rid me of any pain and suffering. Just give me a carefree and an easy life. That's not what they prayed. We can look at the New Testament and say, hey, I know Paul says that through all these trials and tribulations and sufferings and hurts, I know there's really good things that come from that. It produces endurance and character and hope. But I don't want it. I want an easy life. God, just give me an easy life. That's not what they're praying here. 
the first step in boldness, they said, God, help us because we're not stopping. It's dangerous and we're afraid, but full steam ahead. Help us. And the ground shakes. Many Christians before us, including the group that we're looking at here and many after, face some pretty fearful circumstances and situations, persecutions. Some, for doing what we do, professing uh, faith in Jesus Christ, they lost their lives. But because of that boldness, because of they moved forward with the power of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God spread to the ends of the earth, curiously, just like Jesus said would happen in Acts chapter 1. Our early brothers and sisters are imprisoned, they're being threatened, they're being told to be quiet. We wouldn't blame them one bit if they were really angry. I've been really angry with God in my life for a whole lot less than this. But they weren't angry. They weren't bitter. They wanted to be better. They weren't bitter. They wanted to be bolder. That's what they prayed for. In respect and reverence, they lifted up their voices all together to God, and they said, make us bold. Friends, I don't know what you may have heard or what you believed, but uh, I'm here to tell you there are going to be problems in your path, tribulations on your life's trail, hardships on your pilgrimage to your eternal home. There are going to be difficulties that feel like detonations in your life. Don't you dare let them deter you or derail you or keep you from being bold. I want to do something we normally don't do, and there's food trucks outside in just a few minutes, so uh, I won't make this long, but I think it's important to pause here for just a second, and I want you to take a look around the sanctuary. If you're here, take a look around. Look at the faces in front of you, faces beside you, behind you, even the beautiful faces of the folks in the balcony. See, we are God's people all together. Now, Monday through Saturday, there's going to be some fearful things you're going to face. And you may tend to feel like you're alone, you're all by yourself. You are not alone. We are God's people all together. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't believe that lie. My prayer for you is that despite whatever fear that you may face this week, that you be filled with the Holy Spirit, that God would shake the ground around you, that you would be bold. I've heard it said that sometimes the hardest part is taking that first step. Will you pray with me? Gracious and merciful Father, We love you. We thank you for our lives. Father, there's a lot of things that can be pretty scary. There's some pretty fearful situations that we have faced and that we will face in the future. Father God, we know that those things will produce endurance and character and hope. We just ask that you make us bold. Whether it be sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody else, or whatever that may look like that you're calling us to do, 
Let us be a good witness. Let us continue in our walk. Let us live a life that's consistent with your will. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.